It's a time for children this morning. I want to invite all the kids to come forward for our time together. Good morning. Hello, Madam Acolyte. Thank you for doing that this morning. Good morning. Are we moving a little slow? We have time. We have time. Good morning. There you come. Hey, Cooper. I'm glad you're here this morning. Yeah, see, Ryan, she's on the way. Okay, so while everybody's getting here, I have a trivia question for you. If you think about all the days of the year that you get together, like with people, um, holidays, special days, something like that, who can guess the day that we eat the most? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You got it. That's number one. Right, what's number two? Ding, ding, ding. It's today. (laughs) It is Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, do you have another guess? Yep. I would guess that, too. I'm not sure. I stopped after number two. We'll have to look it up, though. Today, oh, my goodness, we eat so much food today. People they, people like to snack, and they like to feast, and like to get together with family and friends. And we're going to do a little eating here at the church, too. You're going to stay and have some soup after, maybe? Maybe some cornbread, maybe some crackers and things like that. Yep, it'll be good. Well, I have a story, and it's about kids. And it's about all that food that we eat. So there were some kids. They were teenagers. And um, they were part of a youth group at a church. And they thought about all that food that we eat on Super Bowl Sunday. They went, wow, that's a lot of food. Sometimes there's even a lot of food left over that we throw away. But it always happens in the winter. And winter's cold. And winter's a time when maybe we notice that people are hungry. Well, these teenagers, these youth, they noticed that people were hungry. And they thought it was a little odd that we ate so much on Super Bowl Sunday when there were so many people who were hungry. So what did they do? What did they do? They helped give people food. They did help give people food. What did they do? They collected soup cans. Anybody bring some soup cans today? Did you see them out in the garden room? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them out. Bronwyn, I think your class might have had the most of the, of the second floor. There's a lot of cans. But that's what they started doing. They started collecting cans of soup. Now, soup is one of those things. Mr. Patrick can tell you stories about soup. That was one of those things they ate at their house a lot growing up. Because you don't really have to have a plan to make soup. If You can just look in the refrigerator and in your pantry and go, what do we have left? And you can throw it in the pot and you can make soup. Yeah, lots of, lots of different kinds. It's, a kind of, it's, it's not a fancy kind of a meal. It's a very humble kind of a meal. But they started doing that. They started collecting cans of soup. And then they gave it to places in their neighborhood that had food pantries. So people from their neighborhood, from their city, could come and get fed. And then some people heard about it, and more people heard about it, and more people heard about it. So now that's what we do. We have Super Sunday. And we collect cans of soup, and we collect donations, and they're going to feed people right here in Garland. All started by kids. The Super Bowl of Caring, all started by kids. It's a very humble meal, but it's a meal of love. Now, um, I know some of you don't know if you're staying after to have soup, but I have a feeling you are going to get to eat today in church. 
What Sunday is it? Communion. Communion Sunday. There's a table right behind us. And there's a very humble, simple meal. Some bread. Some juice. Mm-hmm. Full of love. That is a super, super table of caring. Super cup of caring. Super bowl of love. We're going to give thanks for that today. I am glad that you are here. Like those other kids. Can we get you in here, Bennett? There we go. As we say, dear Lord, we thank you for simple gifts and great love, for food that fills us, for your love that sustains us. We love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Glad you made it up. We're continuing our worship series today on the parables and the challenges that they offer us. And so today we are hearing a parable that appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we are going to hear Mark's version. So we are in chapter 4 and we will begin reading at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty And sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So I was was looking at this text this week. I was reminded of a little, um, a little uh, four stanza poem, I believe, from the Little House books. Um, When they were um, the Ingalls family, they were getting ready to plant corn, and they would put four seeds into each little hill, and the little. The little poem that went with it was one for the blackbird, one for the crow, and that will leave two to grow. Right? Am I remembering that correctly? Does that sound... Pardon? One to rot. Oh, okay. One for the blackbird, one for the crow, one to rot, and one to grow. Wow. 
So that sounds kind of like the odds of the sower, right? Three fourths of the seed that gets broadcast、um, doesn't get the、um, optimal growing conditions. Let's say、um, it is interesting to think about to think about this text and to think about the context of those who heard this when Mark's gospel was written. This little. Beleaguered, persecuted community, receiving the gospel, and to think about their life circumstances and all of the challenges that they had to deal with, and they receive the gospel. But it seems to me that this story kind of describes what happens after they receive the good news, right? For some, they greet the good news with joy. But then other things claim their attention.、Um, some have to deal with so many challenges in their lives that the gospel doesn't have enough time to take firm root. And then there are those that receive the gospel, and it is as if the soil it's planted in is good and it's nurtured. But I really like looking at the figure of the sower, the sower who has this big bag of seed that is hanging off of him, kind of like a messenger bag, right? And he's just striding to and fro, reaching in and throwing seed, throwing seed, indiscriminate, you know, not paying attention to where it's falling, just casting. Seed all over the place. Now, in the first century, this would have made sense because it mirrored farming methods.、Um, I learned in my study this week about this text that、um, it was common for a sower to cast seed and then to till the ground. Okay,、uh, much different、um, from our modern farming methods in which. Um, the soil is tested, and amendments are added, and seeds are started so that the blackbird and the crow don't get them, or、um, so that they don't rot in the ground. Everything is tightly controlled to achieve the maximum yield. But you know what? We're talking about the kingdom of God here in this parable, which. Offers a different take on what it is God loves and what God wants and what is God's way than to our way. And the book that we are using to guide us in our Wednesday Window series on going deep with the parables by Alice McKenzie, she says something quite striking when she talks about this parable. She says, "The kingdom of God is not under your control." Not under your control. So we have God, the sower, who is casting seed willy-nilly all over the place. And I like to think of the seed not only as the good news, but what the good news is grounded in, and that is grace. Now, grace. Think about it for a minute. Thank God for grace, right? But then, 
Think about those people around us or people who have gone before us in history that we kind of wish didn't have access to God's grace. (laughs) But the thing is, the sower, the sower is just casting grace all over the place. And it is within the will and the way of the divine sower to give astonishing yields and growth. Stop and think about it. Grace being cast abroad in the world all over the place if we but have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. And then stop and think about all that that grace covers. In some ways, it doesn't seem quite fair, does it? I want grace. I'm glad I have grace. I am glad that all of you have received grace. But what about hmm, Attila the Hun? Hmm. What about Adolf Hitler? Or any other people that we could name But yet the divine sower still casting grace all over the world. My friends, the kingdom of God is not under our control. Let those with eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand listen. Amen.